Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, November 30th. Coming up on the show today, we've got a college football playoff rankings preview. Is NASCAR coming to the fairgrounds? The Preds are back on the ice at Bridgestone Arena, but we begin with Zach Lyons of the Football and Other F-Words podcast from Broadway Sports Media to tell us how he would fix the Tennessee Titans offense. We are brought to you every single morning by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and they've been award-winning and successful in this market for over a decade for a reason, because you can trust them and because their process works. Go to the website, have a conversation, BuildKG.com. Just talk to the great people over at the Kingston Group. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Before we hear from Zach Lyons from Broadway Sports Media and the Football and Other F-Words podcast, of course, we cannot begin a conversation about Nashville sports without some Tennessee Titans news about player personnel. Kevin Byard was placed on the COVID-19 list on Monday. That's right. Arguably the most consistent player still standing on the roster has been placed on the COVID-19 list. Good news is, of course, with the bye week, he will have plenty of time to be back onto the practice field and should not miss any time. Now, on to our conversation with Zach. Zach, good to see you, man. Welcome to the show, of course. Football and other F-words, the podcast out every single Tuesday with you and Michael Gillum. Uh, Zach, I know you're big on the play calling of Todd Downing, and obviously it has been limited. This offense has been limited with injuries. We have to clear our throats every time we talk about this team now. Um, what would you like to see this coaching staff do differently schematically than what they're doing that's led to nine turnovers and two losses? It's, it's fairly simple. When something is working, stick with it. And when something is not working, don't do it anymore. Like to me, it, it's it's crazy. I know that Foreman had a fumble and Hilliard had a fumble, but the run game was working. And the fact that you didn't utilize more play action than what you did is is very, it's very odd, especially after his comments about this earlier in the week when he was asked about play action and said that it, you know, sometimes it doesn't work when you don't have a run game. Look, it works. The level of effectiveness is maybe different, but there is no such thing as zero effectiveness on play action. And while yesterday they did get to 30.8% in play action passes, they should have done more. It did not feel that way. And I think a part, large part of that is because they did so many few pass plays, which is fine, but the timing of the pass plays were the problem. When you're down in the red zone and moving the ball effectively by running it, Calling a pass on second down and calling a pass on fourth down in critical situations when that's all they're doing. They know you can't pass on them. So the Pats defense is, is expecting that. And here they go. And they're they're just run it like that's what I don't understand why you don't run it in those situations in four down territory that close to the goal line. And on top of that the lack of a screen game just suddenly disappearing. We only had two screen uh, dropbacks and screen passes. Only one of them was actually attempted and it ended up going for nothing because it didn't even happen pretty much. And you're talking about a Pat's defense that up until this point was allowing 30 completions on 36 attempts on the screen and they running backs were getting yardage. You would think that looking at the data and looking at how this team is built that screen game and play action would have been the way to go. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. My follow-up is then how much of all of these issues with Derrick Henry in the first eight or nine games and without him the last four games 
fall to Ryan Tannehill because he he's like, you're not allowed to talk about Ryan Tannehill. You're not allowed to criticize Ryan Tannehill. You're not allowed to say a bad word about him. But this is a league where the quarterback has to be your savior. It's just the way this 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 league works. And I know certain guys are special and the rest of them are sort of just guys. How much of all of this, whether it's checking at the line, whether it's pre pre snap reads, whether it's, you know, execution, how much of all of this falls on Ryan Tannehill? I think I think you're if you're looking at a blame chart or something and ranking them, I would put probably injuries number one, uh, play calling number two, and probably you know Tannehill number three, you know somewhere around there, maybe four. the The issue that I have with putting all the blame in Ryan Tannehill is that's not all his fault. These are extraordinary circumstances, and he's not a elite quarterback i don't know how many people could come in here in the league in its history and do what he what people are asking him to do they're asking him to be someone that he's not he's not an elite quarterback that can elevate these guys he can elevate them to some point but at some point even if he's a little off these wide receivers have to make plays you go back and watch that chester rogers throw chester roger that everybody says is all on ryan Tannehill. Chester turns way too early and jumps way too early. The, he was throwing him away from the safety that was coming down and in a great spot where he could just walk in for the touchdown. But Chester, for whatever reason, turns and looks up at the ball and just jumps way too early. Like, I get it. He was still open, but Ryan Tannehill was trying to get the touchdown, not get a just a, a first down. And if if – He's going to be the guy that takes the chances that everybody wants him to be and be a gunslinger. Then the supporting cast has to step up too. However, versus the Texans, a lot of that is on Ryan Tannehill. I, I don't care what you say. Ryan Tannehill is a lot to blame on that Texans loss. Are you scared of the Colts? No, still not scared of the Colts. Tune in to the F-Words podcast every single Tuesday, Broadway Sports Media. You and the guys doing a great job. Always a pleasure, Zach. All right, thanks. In some, in case you missed it, auto racing news, it appears that Nashville Mayor John Cooper and Bristol Motor Speedway officials have reached a deal in principle that should bring NASCAR back to Nashville and the Fairgrounds Speedway. The announcement is expected to come out sometime this week, as of course the NASCAR awards ceremony is at the Music City Center this week. The deal, of course, will have to include a massive renovation of the fairgrounds, which of course held a NASCAR Cup Series race back in 1984. There are a lot of big names in racing that view Nashville as one of their final opportunities to get their series, their cup races, into sort of metro urban areas, in particular in the southeast, where the base of their audience actually lives and operates. It's obviously a long way off, and there's still a lot of stuff that has to be approved, and who's going to pay for what, and if it's $50 million in bonds for renovations, or you know what's going to happen, all the details still have to be worked out. But it could be as early as 2022, next season. What's interesting is that Bristol Motor Speedway acquired Dover Motorsports, Inc., which now owns Nashville Super Speedway near Lebanon. And, of course, a NASCAR Cup Series race took place there last season in June and is scheduled to return in 2022. Can those two things coexist? Who knows? Also, there's opposition from the neighborhoods, of course. It's going to be quite loud on 12th South and in the fairgrounds area. So you can imagine a lot of people, residential people that live in the area, are concerned about the development. But it's going to be supercharged and developed at some point. So I, I suppose that bringing a NASCAR race back to Nashville with all of the promise of the revenue streams and the value of large sporting events that we clearly do very well in the city 
you know, for one weekend, it's probably worth it for the city to have this. So big news for racing fans in Nashville. If you're, if you've been waiting for that piece of news, of course, Nashville fairgrounds to get a major renovation and a cup race. That'd be pretty big news for Nashville racing fans for sure. The Nashville Predators are back on the ice Tuesday evening for the first of three straight games at home, beginning with Columbus at 7 p.m. The Preds have lost four out of the last six games and are coming off a blowout loss to Colorado on the road on Saturday. During the six games, Nashville has given up 24 goals, and all four losses came by at least three goals. Nashville was beaten 5-2 by Vegas last Wednesday at home, so against what many people believe to be the two best teams in the Western Conference in the preseason, Nashville was outclassed 11-4. Now, in between, they beat New Jersey 4-2 at home on Friday, so it's not all bad, and backup David Riddich was starting in net on Saturday after sort of a bizarre travel schedule and quick turnaround from a Friday evening home game to a Saturday afternoon road game. So there is some understanding there. However, this team is just 11-9-1 overall, is now sitting outside of the playoffs, and has gotten healthy with Philip Forsberg, Alex Carrier, and Nick Cousins all back in the lineup and off of IR. So, with three big ones at home this week, including Boston on Thursday and Montreal on Saturday, Smashville needs to show up and help this team collect some points this week. Again, puck drop Tuesday night is 7 p.m. So the college football playoff rankings are coming out tonight with only one more list to go. That'll be coming up on Sunday where we actually decide the four teams that make the college football playoff. My rankings would be Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Alabama 3, and Cincinnati 4. And I actually think that's what the committee is going to do tonight. Where is Alabama? If they're at number 2 or 3, they still have a chance to make the playoff with a close and competitive loss to the Georgia Bulldogs. So keep an eye on where they put Alabama tonight, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, all those teams still vying for an outside chance to maybe get into the playoff, in particular Oklahoma State if they continue to win. So where do they put the pokes? Are they at number five? Are they further down the list? They could have a chance at three top ten wins at the end of the season as they will play Baylor, a top ten team, coming up this weekend. There's still a lot of chaos that could happen and a lot of things could still take place. Notre Dame could jump into the playoff even if Cincinnati doesn't make it, which is very strange, but there's a lot of drama left to go, so just keep an eye on those rankings coming out on Tuesday evening. The 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. They are award-winning for a reason. Their process has been successful over 10 years for a reason, and of course, my family uses them for a reason. Buildkg.com is the website. Check it out. Give them a call. Just have a conversation. The Kingston Group. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the product. Tell somebody about the show. We really, really, really appreciate it. Make sure you're listening to all the other great shows across the network as well. The Gold Standard covering the Predators, Fringe Element covering the SEC, Club and Country covering Nashville SC. You've got Football and Other F-Words, Music City Audible, all the great podcasts from Broadway Sports Media, VandySports.com, of course, and, of course, Lame Stream Sports with Steve Cavendish and myself on Fridays. Make sure you check out all those great shows, folks. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Braden Gall. Follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, November 30th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.